You're listening to the Modern Web Podcast. For more podcasts, videos, and events, find us online at modern-web.org or follow us on Twitter at modern.web. That's M-O-D-E-R-N-D-O-T-W-E-B. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Modern Web. Today, we have a special guest, Mishko Hevery, who is joining us, also known as Father of Angular. Papa Angular. <laughs> oh, wow. That's that's too much. Uh, and But thank you for the kind words. I really appreciate it. Super excited to be chatting with you. This yeah. Been a lot of fun. Yeah. So excited to have you. And, you know, it's it's awesome because you just recently announced you're, like, going on your new adventure. So tell us a little bit about that. What are you up to next? Yeah, time for new adventures, right? Well, uh, you know, 15 years at one company, actually 15 and a half, coming up to 16 is a very, very long time. There is never yes. really a good time to leave, but, you know, sometimes uh, opportunity comes along that you can just, uh, you just can't pass up, right? And so yeah. this is one of those times I was offered to join a startup. Um, the company is called Builder.io, and I was offered to join as a CTO. And specifically, what they do is they build a headless visual CMS. So the headless means that it's it's um, served on uh, your infrastructure. A visual yeah. means that it's a kind of a drag and drop editor, which is actually a kind of a rare thing in the CMS space. And CMS yeah. is a content management system so that the marketing people can change the, 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 the percentages that the sale is this week versus the next week, right? Uh, and yeah. they don't have to bother the engineers. That's really cool. So we do state of headless CMS. So we'll have to have you on that to talk about Builder. Yeah. So the thing <laughs> that kind of excited me is that, you know, one of the big things in e-commerce is that you have to be make sure that you get the page up and running very, very quickly. Otherwise, uh, people will leave, right? Like, so the startup yeah. time is super, super important. And hey, I, I might have some opinions and some uh, prior knowledge on how to make this thing go faster. So my goal is going to be to help them and help their customers uh, build some really uh, amazing, super, super fast e-commerce websites. Um, and so that's, that's kind of what, I, what, what, what the opportunity came along. And that's, that's the thing that just called me so hard that I said, you know what? I think Angular is a kind of a teenager. It, is, you know, it, it's, it can live on its own. And it's time for me to, uh, to try a new adventure. That's exciting. Well, you know, I know folks at Angular will miss you, but I just love I hearing. I them too. It is an amazing yeah. team. Yeah, but like this new thing you're working on, I mean, headless CMS and e-commerce and, you know, all this stuff that you're talking about is something that I feel like people are really excited about. And then you're talking about drag and drop. So I think like low code, no code solutions, which is also super hot. So it's like, wrapping all the really hot things that are happening right now in the industry into one. Yeah. And, uh, you know, figuring out how the frameworks can do a better job with that. Specifically, I think all the current frameworks uh, spend too much time focusing on, hey, how do I make sure that the site goes fast once the site is up, right? Yeah. But yeah. none of them really focus really well on how do I get the site up quickly? Right, mm -hmm. and I think it doesn't really matter which framework you choose. Your uh, site will be fast enough, right? The web has gotten to the point that the browsers are fast enough that it doesn't matter. And, and and arguing about which framework is really a little bit faster, I think is missing the mark, right? The thing that to yeah. focus on these days is the startup time, and that's the thing that 
will differentiate, um, you know, you know who, who's going to win. And I think Google now is pushing hard with uh, PageSpeed uh, rank where, mm-hmm. or, you know, the lighthouse where they're saying, hey, time to interactive matters. And we will uh, kind of grade you depending on the time to interactive. And that's kind of going to determine how high you rank. And so focusing on this particular bit, I think is going to uh, be a big differentiator. And that, that's the thing that I would like to focus on next. That's exciting. Are you guys like, I, I don't, I mean, I know you haven't like joined joined yet, but are you guys going to be like GraphQL focused or is, is there any GraphQL focus in there or is it just like, okay, that's just like another thing? I think it's just an, another thing. I think the, the, the idea is that this is headless. So whatever yeah. technology uh, a particular uh, customer has, that's there and yeah. they can be using GraphQL. Yeah. Uh, specifically, what we will be focusing on is how to get the amount of JavaScript uh, to the client as tiny as possible, right? Mm-hmm. Because the less JavaScript you can send to the client, the faster the startup time, right, is going to be. And so a lot of current frameworks have this particular problem that in order for the framework to be running and be interactive, the framework has to bootstrap, right? Like, because the framework needs to figure out, like, where are the listeners? You know, what do I do? Who do I attach? What do I listen to? Right. And all of this information is really stored inside of templates. So all the existing technologies have this particular problem that they have to wake up and be like, oh, where's the listeners? Let me go look for them. Let me find them. Let me attach them all. Right. And this is what's keeping you from having a super nice, fast interactivity. If you could figure out a way to delay that, to kind of push that to later and just say, hey, let's let's just not even bother sending JavaScript until the, the person starts interacting with the site then I think you could have some really amazing time to interactives. And that's kind of the goal or the, the kind of the mission and the vision uh, of Builder.io. That's exciting. So do you see any like future potential integrations with frameworks or like new frameworks maybe starting like based on how this industry is being pushed forward? I would like to um, figure a way to kind of join forces with other frameworks rather than have yet another thing. Uh, I don't necessarily think that there's necessarily a space for that. It, it is something that hopefully could could work with all the other frameworks. If they do minor changes to how they do things, maybe we can figure out how to all work together and, and produce better sites. Because on the end of the day, what we want is we want the web to win, right? We want people to have an amazing experience on the web. And one way to do that is to make sure that the web is fast. And yeah. fast interactive web is kind of the goal that we should all be aiming for. And as long as we can figure out a way to get there and reuse each other's stuff, I think it's a win for everybody. Yeah, well, that's amazing. So what's the website that people can check out for? Is it builder.io? For now, it's just builder.io. I don't think there's going to be any magic in there other than like, hey, you know, you can sign up on our headless visual CMS. And the technology they have is actually pretty cool, uh, which is kind of also what excited me. It turns out that in the headless space, meaning that in the space where the CMS is hosted on your own infrastructure. Uh, nobody, as far as I know, knows how to do the visual. There's people. There's plenty of people who could do the visual drag and drop kind of a thing for hosted, mm-hmm. but not for headless. Yeah. Uh, and I think this is a place where uh, the builder IO is kind of a differentiator. Sounds amazing. So joining a CTO, what are you going to be working on there? You know, I spent a lot of time thinking about this, and I kind of realizing that. Um, kind of your, your job as a CTO is to make sure that the company can grow uh-huh. and make sure that other people are productive, right? 
And so a lot of things I think that I will be focused on right now is to make sure that those two things can happen. Like that, that there, are, there are plans to hire more folks and those folks will need to be productive in an environment. So can I, can I make sure that they have an environment where it's, where it's easy to start up, easy to work with, there aren't complicated deployed paths, right? Just make it easy for the engineers to do their job, right? Make sure that the, the, the test infrastructure is available and everything else is just kind of ready to go, right? It, it seems kind of mundane, but I think it's important, right? Because it's the thing that differentiates, um, you know, whether or not the company will be able to grow or not. Yeah. Well, I think it's a different problem set that you're kind of working on, right? Like I, you know, I talked to so many engineers and one of my friends, he, he's like, you know, anybody can build anything, you know, you're making an impact, sure. But he loves like understanding how to navigate the, the companies, you know, the big companies he works at to try to get things done. Cause he's like, yep. that's where you can make the biggest impact. I'm like, man, you know, not a lot of developers say that. So <laughs> yeah, it's funny because it seems to be like the same problem in all industries. Like Elon Musk has been harping on this for a while, basically saying it's easy to build a prototype. It's easy yeah. to build a thousand cars, right? It's yeah. hard to build half a million cars. Yes. And I think it's the same thing, right? It's easy to build something to show it off, et cetera. Now, how do you make it so that you can now throw 50 or 100 engineers at this particular problem? And how do you make it that this thing works like a clockwork, right? That's the hard yeah. part, right? It's 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 relatively easy for an individual to kind of keep all the swamp areas of the code base in their head. But like, if you throw a lot more people on it, they're going to drown. <laughs> so you yeah. have to make sure that they have an easy time so that you can grow. Yeah. Sounds like fun. So are you, do you guys have like a centralized base or are you, is it going to be remote or? It's a remote first company. Um, cool. It's kind of, centered around San Francisco, but I believe there's people already working from uh, Canada, I think is the farthest. Uh, I don't think there, you know, I, I think there's there's some offices in San Francisco, but like for the most part, people just work remote, especially yeah. in this, this, this world. Yeah, I love that, cool. But and hey, I don't actually technically start until Tuesday, so so I know people are like, oh my gosh, Mishka's leaving. And I think people who aren't like as close to, you know, what's going on within the Angular team might might view that as like, oh my gosh, you know, the head of Angular just got chopped off or something like that. Like, oh, what's going to happen? But, um, you know, I know that's a lot. Yeah, it's, it's very different. So like, what's leadership like at Angular? What, you know, what are your thoughts on that? I think the leadership on Angular is actually pretty strong right now. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things we've been focusing in the last few years is to make sure that other people um, are running the show. So, you know, in the past, due to mainly kind of the historical reasons, it has been primarily Igor and myself. Mm -hmm. uh, but in the last few years, we have promoted a lot more other, we kind of divided the project into like CLI, you know, the, the core, the, the, the components and so on. Mm -hmm. And then each one of those areas got their own uh, tech leads. Uh, you know, so we have Jeremy, we have, we have Alex, um, and and uh, Keen and uh, and Joey, and they're all kind of running their own show. Uh, and this has been going on for you know probably over a year now, and they've been doing a fantastic job. And so we, the two of us, were able to kind of take a step back and kind of make sure that everything's working fine. And they're doing a way better job than we could possibly do. So I feel actually very strong that the existing team 
it's got it totally under control and they will uh, do amazing things going forward. Yeah, I love to see um, the kind of like diversity changing in on the Angular team. Like, I, I feel like I'm seeing a lot of like a lot of new faces, and you know, yes. maybe some people who don't want to be as public necessarily, but uh, definitely seeing like a lot of more uh, women and minorities involved, which is like really cool. Yeah, we've been trying hard to, to yeah. kind of, uh, yeah, have a more diverse set. I think yeah. it's working. Uh, I guess in a, in a way, me leaving is going to improve the ratio. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we have some really amazing people uh, that have joined. Not all of them choose to be public. You know, that is, that is uh, their choice. Uh, I'm sure respect that. Uh, but I'm, I'm super stoked uh, about all of it. One thing I want to kind of point out is one thing that I've noticed, especially in large companies, is that typically, you know, you join a company like Google, and Google says like, oh, great, uh, we have a need in this area, so you're going to be assigned to search, right? And, and mm -hmm. not that you don't have a say in this particular process, but unless you specifically ask for, you're going to get assigned to a particular project. Right. The thing that's interesting about Angular is that everyone who is on Angular like, is there because they specifically requested, they specifically worked on getting there, and so on and so forth, right? So it, yeah. is, it is filled with people who are fundamentally passionate about being on the team, and it really shows. Um, and it's actually interesting because whenever we get new headcount and we post it on internal um, sites, it is interesting how many more uh, uh, recruit or uh, you know uh, how many more interests we get than normal people. So if we have managers that have worked on other teams, they're like, "This is crazy!" You know, when you post that Angular team is looking like like five times as many people show up as as when it's somebody else. So there seems to be <laughs> definite um, interest from people. And as a result, the people who are on the team are deeply passionate. You know, they're there because they fundamentally love doing this work and they think they can make a difference. And, you know, that's why they're there. I love that. That's amazing. I mean, that's all you can hope for, you know, just like working, working with really good teams. And, you know, I mean, I love going to work like every Monday. I'm like, oh, man. I'm gonna go work with really awesome people, and you know, I mean, that's definitely not been the case for my entire career. But <laughs> yeah, no, I I agree that with you. Uh, the people I have worked on in Angular are super passionate, super smart. Uh, they want to yeah. do the right thing. It's it's just amazing to to have such coworkers and work. And I'm gonna miss miss them very 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 deeply. Yeah. Well, we're doing, uh, you know, this thought we do state of Angular, uh, Angular contributor day. So if those of you listening who are wondering, like, well, you know, what's going on with Angular, you know, definitely check out those events and um, actually putting together Angular World Tour. So AngularWorldTour.com will be live at some point in time soon. Um, and we're going to be going to like all the local meetups remotely. <laughs> But that's really cool because just having people like Mishko and Mark and Emma, um, who are all really amazing members of the, the Angular team, you know, talk and, and kind of like spread the word and give updates is going to be really awesome. So wait, 15 years at Google, 15 and a half years at Google. Like how much of that was Angular and how much of that was other stuff? It's <laughs> uh, a good question. Uh, let's see. So I joined, I first worked on something called uh, Google Checkout, which eventually became the Google Wallet, which I think now is Google Pay. <laughs> um, so Google Checkout 
was uh, kind of the, the beginning thing. I, I, I think I stayed about a year, and then I um, discovered this passion of uh, test-driven development and testing and so on and so forth. And so for a while, I did this thing called Test Mercenaries, where mm -hmm. I would go from team to team and kind of uh, say, hey, this is how cool testing is, and this is how you set it up. And the biggest thing I kind of did is, is when people try to do testing, they, they, they didn't have any good uh, experience, right? Because the code wasn't testable, et cetera. And so the thing I would do is I would explain like, hey, look, testing is hard. And especially in your case, it's hard because you know cost base wasn't designed for it. And so the issue isn't that testing is a bad idea. The issue is that you just have to rearrange your code base. And so I would work with people and rearranging their code base and making it more testable. There was a lot of clean code talks that I've done. Many of them are on YouTube. And, nice. and I did it for a few years. And then I was like, well, I, you know, teaching people is, is fun, but I really want to build something. And this is where Angular came to be. And like the original idea of Angular is actually more than 10 years. I want to say it's more like 12, maybe coming to 13 years. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember that because my oldest son just turned 11. And I remember <laughs> that I was working on Angular feverishly and saying, I need to get this thing done before he's born. Oh my goodness, that's amazing. Uh, so, so it's definitely like 12 years, but it also it's amusing me that I thought I was going to be able to be done, you know, in a year and <laughs> before yeah. he was born. Uh, and now he's turning 11 and we are still, we'll still at it. <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, I, I feel like uh, living in the Silicon Valley for so long. I remember my first startup, right? It was like, okay, we're going to build something and we've been doing it for a year and then we're going to get acquired next year. You know, and then I remember like waking up from, you know, startup fog, you know, just crunching and everything like that eight years later when I finally sold the company. And I was like, wow, that was eight years. And, and you know, it sucks that it takes me eight years to realize that. But then I was very careful for the next thing, realizing like, no, it's not going to be two years of your life. You know, what, what you choose to invest in, especially if you're passionate about it. You know, it is it is an eight to ten year journey of your life. Yeah, but you know what I, I, I find is that if uh, if you knew all of this stuff ahead of time, you would never yeah. do it, right? This ignorance <laughs> is what allows you to do it. Yes. If you knew how much work kids were, I'm not sure anybody would have kids. It's so true. I mean, my God, you know, it's it's funny because I've been like, you know, Instagram just loves to market to you, right? Like. So Instagram started marketing to me, like, I don't know why, but they started marketing to me these like pregnancy underwear. And they were like, here's ice packs that you'll need after, <laughs> after you have the baby. And this underwear fits the ice packs. And by the way, you're going to need these wipes. And I'm like, this sounds terrifying. Why would anybody do this? Like, they're just trying to scare you away from doing it. But, yeah, but I mean, people had kids for millions of years. You know, I get that the infant mortality was higher, but like, yeah. you know, we had it before modern medicine and everything. So I wonder how much of it is just a little overdone by the, the industry trying to sell you something. That's true. That's true. I mean, same thing with kids, right? You think about, you know, I don't know, like 20 something years ago, you know, like kids could just do whatever the heck they wanted. Right. And then, you know, all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, don't go to the park. There might be men who try to give you candy. 
you know, you can't do this. Oh, you're a bad parent if you're not watching your child and just like all this, you know, and, and then now it's, it's, it's my favorite to see like the, uh, the age of the Instagram mom of, you know, you have to have the party with the balloons, with like the candy, with like the smash cake. It's just so, you know. I think but, yeah, kids should uh, uh, organize their own party. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's also the same thing with like technology, right? Like before it was yes. like, oh, to be hired as a developer, you just, you know, need to learn how to code. And now it's like, well, how, how, how are you on performance? How are you on testing? You need to be an expert on, you know, this and that and whatever. And then, you know, all of a sudden it's like, you're reminding me of my answer <laughs> mug. Yeah, I used, reminded- have, I used to have a mug. It was a regular mug. You put water in it and put it in the microwave and you were good. And now it's a Bluetooth connected mug that like will sing. Yes. It's ridiculous. Like you have to reboot the mug to use it. Like this is wrong. Yeah. That's so funny. I love that. But I mean, you know, I think it goes to also like thinking about, you know, your your new adventure, right? Like you're solving one problem with Angular and now you're like, okay, this is a this is a bigger problem. This is going to like solve even more things because, you know, uh, like you think about like websites back in the day, right? Like they were slow, whatever. And now it's all about like, oh my gosh, half a millisecond should load. (laughs) You you know, you're reminding me of something, which is that I feel like industry is going through these phases. Yeah. Um, So obviously we, we started with round trip apps, right? And then we said, oh, we're going to do it uh, single page apps. I think that's the mm-hmm. fancy word of saying it, right? And I, I noticed, I remember when the first single SPAs came up, uh, people were constantly trying to invent new languages. They're like, JavaScript, the reason why we cannot build a good site is because JavaScript sucks. And so let's figure out how to get Java transpiled or CoffeeScript. Like, it was just an endless number of these things where like we're just going to transpile to javascript so you don't have to touch javascript because it's the dirty icky part right mm-hmm. and i think at, at this point we've kind of learned to love javascript of what it is yeah and um we're better off for it right? i think the technologies that we have today are way way better than back in the day where we were trying to steer clear of javascript but i think there is one more kind of a transition that needs to happen which is that I think we're in this world right now where everybody is basically saying the same thing about the DOM. You know, like, oh, it's this icky thing. We'll, we'll keep you away from it. You pretend it doesn't exist. You know, it's just a thing that we'll take care of so you don't have to worry about, right? And uh-huh. this level, the problem is that this level of abstraction is causing performance issues in a lot of different ways. One is like the level of abstraction requires code to be downloaded, right? Code to execute. So it's, it's just, it's slow in terms of speed. But it's mm-hmm. also mainly slow because you actually have to be downloading this translation layer, right? And this is making you slower because the startup time is slower because you have to download more code and you have to execute it and so on. And so I think there is a, a new thing coming. I think people will say like, you know, maybe it's, it's time that we learn to love Dom for what it is. <laughs> and just embrace it and realize that... Uh, we could do better if we learn to love it. And I'm going to give you an example for this, for example. The way the SPA, uh, SPA apps are kind of built today is they, they, they are very similar to the way desktop apps are built, which means like here, you know, you have a bunch of templates, you, you do whatever you want. Like you just think about this whole thing as a regular app. But if you kind of go on a browser, you realize, well, yes, but browser has all these things like your code has to be downloaded. Maybe we could do lazily. Maybe we don't have to do all of it. 
And none of the existing technologies really embrace that. They, they, they all tell you on the marketing speak, like, of course you can do lazy loading, right? But they don't do anything to kind of help you with it, right? And they don't really do anything to kind of help with the DOM and you just embracing the DOM either. And so I think there has to be a kind of a shift where we say, okay, we can't build apps the way we used to build them on a desktop where we didn't have to think about the lazy loading and tree shaking and all these different pieces. I think we need to build apps in a way we actually take these things as a first-class citizen and think about it every step of the way. And I think the it's kind of the next revolution that's going to come is, is where you know we're going to learn to love to embrace the DOM and just use the browser for what it is meant to be rather than constantly trying to put levels of abstractions away between us and the browser. I don't know sure if that made any sense, but I was... Yeah. No, I mean, definitely. I think, uh, I think it's, it's going to be really interesting again to see how, like, I, I think what, what I've seen this year, which I found interesting is, uh, you know, like, for example, um, what is it called? It's Blitz and Redwood JS, right? So like these new full stack frameworks that are kind of saying, hey, you know, you don't have to do anything like your default using react you know default using netlify to deploy etc 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 and like technology starting to be built on top of technologies mm -hmm. and so like the things that you're talking about is kind of the same way right like as our industry moves forward it's going to be interesting to see you know again like what are frameworks going to do is a new framework going to come up because all of a sudden there's like a new better way to think about something right um so, I mean, I think that's what's like most expect most exciting and annoying about the web that it keeps changing. Like my dad is so funny; he's a developer, and he told my brother before he went to college, like, "Don't become, don't go to school for computer science because you have to keep learning, and it's <laughs> exhausting, you know." Because like you know, at at his age, he's like still learning. So, but you know, my, my brother actually went to school for pharmacy or, you know, pre-med or whatever. And then halfway through was like, screw this. I want to become an engineer and is now working at Google on algorithms. <laughs> I think you have to learn everywhere. Like this idea that you don't have to continuously learn. I think it's a bit outdated. Yeah. But you said something interesting that I, I hit the nail on the head, which is the, that we have to think about the problem in a different way. Yes. And yes. I think if you look at the current set of frameworks, we the way we think about the problem of building apps is fundamentally the same. There are differences in you know the details, like oh you, you know that this is your templating syntax or that's your templating syntax or, or you know VDOM or dirty chain. Like those are kind of details, but we all fundamentally think about it in the same way. Yeah. And I think um, there is a place where you kind of flip it around and say, hey are these the right mental models about building the apps, right? Because yeah. these mental models we have today are meant for uh, desktop apps and are meant for the environment where downloading code is not a thing, right? Where tree yeah. shaking is not a thing, where everything's just available for you. And so it's a very different, like if you're building a mobile uh, app that's native, right? Like everything is just available, all the bytes are there. So you think yeah. about the problem very, very differently then if you really wanted to build um, a, a mobile app, like a web app, 
that is all about like, how do I download the least amount of code? How do I take advantage of the fact that browsers can lazy load this code and download it and cache it and all of these things? And I think existing frameworks simply say, this is not our area of interest, right? They, they just have nothing to say about this. I mean, they might have marketing blurbs that says like, oh yeah, you should do this, it's probably a good idea, but they don't fundamentally have any tools and primitives to help you on this journey, right? There's nothing <laughs> in them that actually says, no, this is how you need to think about the problem and this is how you have to break this down and this is how you have to do it, right? They, they just say like, oh yeah, this is a good idea, you should do it, but we're not gonna tell you how. This is such dangerous territory because number one, talking to you, if I could like write a framework, I'd be like, oh my gosh, I want to get started now. So I'm curious how many people listening are going to be like, I'm about to write a new framework. But then I also feel like, you know, because you understand and you see this so clearly, like, oh my gosh, what, you know, what new framework might you inspire well, at some point in time? I, I, I would like to point out, right, is that the, the framework uh, arena is kind of full. Yeah. Right. And I don't think there is a space for yet another framework um, yeah. in there unless that framework is something fundamentally different about yes. thinking about the problem, right? Yeah. Uh, yes, you could build, build a better Angular, React, Vue, Swell, whatever, right? You could do it mm -hmm. incrementally better, but it would be incremental better improvement and it wouldn't be worth the trouble of switching, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like fundamentally different thing. Yeah, but I mean, I think that is the magic. And it's so funny when I hear you say that because I, you know, I mean, even now, right? Like people are saying, hey, we're migrating to modern frameworks. Okay, we're migrating to Angular, migrating to Vue, migrating to React. And then I feel like, okay, in the next five years, I'm starting to see that potentially, you know, we're gonna be talking about, you know, fr frameworks that fundamentally think differently, just like you said, or fundamentally solve a problem differently. And then all of a sudden, you know, everybody's going to be learning something brand new. And then all the companies are going to need to migrate. And then all the, all the technologies we're using now are going to be legacy. And so, you know, it's but great. This is to life, be, right? Yeah. I mean, it's great to be a developer because you always have a job, right? Like, <laughs> it'll never get boring. <laughs> That's true. Uh, and I mean, we every every time we go around, right, we learn some. We collectively, right, uh, learn something new and our apps get better and the UI is more amazing and uh, you know, end users love our, more, love our products more and so on, right? So it is a continuously improving process. And so to assume that this is the pinnacle of technology and the technology will never get better and people will never change their opinions, I think that's a kind of a short-sighted uh, point right. of view, right? And you should really think about like, what's the next step? Like where, where are we falling short? Um, and is it something that is incremental better or is it something that is fundamentally a different way of thinking about it, right? If it's incrementally better, then you should integrate it into existing technologies and figure out what with existing frameworks, right? And if it's fundamentally different, you should you really have to ask a question like, can it be integrated into existing technologies, right? Mm -hmm. Because existing technologies make assumptions and these assumptions are kind of uh, guiding what isn't is impossible uh, for these things. And I, I almost feel like that we have made all these raw assumptions and aren't really willing to re-examine them. It actually reminds me of a talk uh, by Victor, Ber I'm gonna mess up his last name, <laughs> but he was basically talking about it, that 
you know, in the 60s, we, we were exploring all this crazy way of doing um, programming and different mental models, et cetera. And now, you know, we are whatever, 50, 60 years later, and it's all the same. Everybody does serial programming. You know, nobody talks about parallel computing that much. And, you know, things that we explored back in the day don't seem to be anymore on the table. And maybe now we could and re-examine it. Yeah. When the new old ideas become new ideas again. Because something <laughs> is different. Like people laugh like, oh, just going back and forth. No, it's, you're not going back and forth between old ideas and new ideas, right? It is that a new idea might have been ahead of time and certain technology wasn't available or certain things just wasn't possible at that time. And now it is. And so maybe back in the day, the idea didn't work because some other thing was missing, right? Yes. But now if you revisit the idea, the idea might work because that thing that was missing back then is not available and cheap, you know? Uh, who would have thought that we would have terabytes in our packet pockets, right? Well, we work with like terabytes of data <laughs> in our pockets, right? It's kind of crazy, but sure, we'll go for it, right? Yeah, I think uh, also what I'm really loving seeing in kind of the, the venture space, right? Because you think about this like, you know, uh, you know, Brandon over at Blitz, uh, he is, you know, he just bootstraps it himself, right? But, you know, Evan was the same, right? Right? Like he didn't get any funding from the beginning for QJS. And um, I feel like a lot of venture money now, you know, people are starting to understand the value of building tools for developers. And so it's, it's even more possible, like the things that you're talking about, to be able to get funded and you know actually live and survive and thrive and i i think watching that as well is going to be so interesting because it's also going to change like the model i think of open source at some point in time so that that'll be uh you know that'll, that'll be interesting to watch I'm, I'm curious yeah i i mean i love the open source model a lot but in a way um i got to cheat because google kind of bankrolled it Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like so many people have benefited, right? Essentially kind of for free. Um, yeah. But like, you know, if you don't have Google bankrolling your open source ideas, you know, who does? And so we will need to come up with some kind of a model to make this work where people can follow their passion. And oh, by the way, there's nothing more productive or more useful than if somebody with a passion and a vision, right? You, yeah. You can. If you don't have the passion and the vision, you can throw all the money on it you want. It's never going to work, right? But if you yeah. have one person with the passion and the vision, like, it will make it work. And so, you know, how do we uh, allow these people to follow their passion and vision and, you know, at the same time make a good living uh, out of it? And so that's going to be interesting to figure out because so much of the world runs on open source, and yet it's just there for free. Right? Yeah. I mean, there's been so many good examples lately, like, um, you know, Tom Preston Warner, who was one of the co-founders of GitHub, right? Uh, after his exit to Microsoft, you know, he's been uh, bankrolling Redwood JS, which is an open source, you know, full stack framework, both on top of React. And then, uh, you know, you have Sebastian McKenzie and James Kyle, who, you know, did Babel and uh, Lerna and Yarn and all those other things. And, you know, they're building uh, a tool. I don't know if it's going to be open source. I'm sure some of it, you know, I'm sure it'll be like a, just a regular SaaS type model thing, right? But uh, it, it's interesting to see like these ideas 
or, you know, people with money starting to realize that like, oh, hey, this is, but which is kind of cool because like you think about it, you know, all these IPOs, you know, like, um, uh, God, like, well, I guess Roblox IPO, but I mean, I, I, <laughs> I more think about like, uh, 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 what was it? Cloudflare IPO, right? And all the money coming out of there and Airbnb IPO and then all these, you know, angel investors. It kind of reminds me of, uh, I remember like, oh my God, 10, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Do you remember like the PayPal mafia? Like it was like all the pay, everybody exited from PayPal. And, yeah. then, and then it was like, oh, if you're, if you, you know, if you're in the VC world, like everybody comes from like the PayPal family of the people who made all the money you know and like now we're starting to see that phenomenon like multiplied by you know 10 you know for all these other exits that are happening and and just money flowing into things like open source so i'm super excited about it um i'm excited about builder too like i can't wait to have you on some of the uh the events that we do related to headless cms um and i'm <laughs> I mean, how long are you going to build another framework? Like, I just don't believe that it won't happen. Like, maybe you won't build it, but maybe you will inspire somebody, like, so passionately to build something. <laughs> you know, I would love to inspire other people to do this. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I had my turn. I think my goal is uh, I want to try something different with the Yeah. I think with yeah. Angular, I was, I kind of had a vision of what Angular could be, and I just kind of blindly followed it, and I, I felt yeah. like I didn't get sufficient amount of feedback from the actual customers using it. So it was yeah. a bit of a ivory tower project. Uh -huh, uh -huh. I think the difference in, in Builder is that there's concrete customers, and there is yeah. concrete websites that they have, and a concrete problems to be solved. Uh, and so my goal is to solve these concrete issues in front of me uh, hopefully do it in some open source way and that the world can benefit from. But the goal isn't to build a framework. The goal is to yes. solve uh, these concrete problems for these concrete customers. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But you got me all jazzed up now and swear to God, like, is this stock going to build a framework? Who knows? I mean, probably not, but you get what I'm saying. It's so inspiring listening to you like talk about that. It makes, it makes you want to build. Yeah. <laughs> So, well, I can't wait. Where can people find you online? Like, is Twitter the best place? Twitter. <laughs> it's uh, M. Hebery. Okay. There's a funny ad sign in front or something like that. Yeah. I don't and actually know how to use Twitter that well. <laughs> and are you all hiring at Builder? Uh, we are going to be hiring soon. Uh, we're okay. about to raise Series A to get some more uh, cash into the company. Uh, cool. And so we are definitely going to be hiring. So you can start the process right now. Nice, very exciting. And do they just go to Builder.io to find the information? They can do that. Uh, they can reach out to me. Oh, exciting. Awesome. Well, I hope you get a lot of awesome people um, joining the team. And I can't wait to see like what the next six months is going to bring us. I'm excited too. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you everyone for joining us for this uh, week's episode of the Modern Web Podcast. My name is Tracy. You can follow me on Twitter at LadyLeet. And you can follow Modern Web at modern.web. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for having me. It was an honor.
This podcast is sponsored by this.labs, a framework agnostic consultancy that specializes in JavaScript. You can find them at this.co slash labs. That's T-H-I-S-D-O-T dot C-O slash labs. Let's go, cause we got a show for you.